you thought this was the secret Roger Waters biography yeah. that that was getting shown here that took yeah. place in 86 yeah when the song was written in 79 I got you hey everybody I'm David and I'm Alan, and welcome to I Finally Watched where we talk about movies that at least one of us has never seen before and today I finally watched The Squid and the Whale uh, a quick rundown of The Squid and the Whale. Uh, it stars Laura Linney and Jeff Daniels as a couple that separates and divorces. Um, and it just shows the impact it has on their kids, uh, who are played by Jesse Eisenberg and Owen Klein, who I don't know if I've really ever seen Owen Klein in anything else. This is kind of mm-hmm. what I know him for. So um, that's like a just the the thousand foot view of this movie, but Alon, what did you think? You know, I really, I really wanted you to watch this. I, um, I really like all of Noah Baumbach's movies. I really thought Marriage Story was great. Uh, a similar kind of story because it, it involves a divorce, but um, this one may be a little darker and I really want to get your opinion. So what did you think with your first watch? Yeah, I'm, I really like, bomb back although i've never seen marriage story i saw his other um film the meyerwitz stories um now it's occurring to me that both of those titles have the word story in them. uh no Just but connecting dots all over the place here <laughs> i think it's a conspiracy yeah no i really liked it i i liked it just as much as i like the meyerwitz stories which i mean it's the only film of his i have to compare it to so i'll be doing some of that but the thing with Bombback that I saw is you have these characters and they interact with each other, but then as they go on, you know, there's, there's separate ways, you know, some go to school, the kids go to school, the parents go to work and you see how the turmoil of their life affects them in their, in their private lives. And then towards the end of the movie, you have this like inciting uh, incident that who knows what the hell uh, is going to happen. And so when this kind of comes around at the end of the movie, I was getting really excited because remembering Meyerowitz's story, uh, I was like, oh man, um, something big is going to happen to these characters. And I was just kind of excited to to find out what. um, None of these characters are great people. Uh, No one really has anything good greatly uh, redeeming about them um, and and everyone has a lot of reasons to hate these people um, so I I got to the end I was like oh this is gonna happen what's happening here oh my gosh and I was like yeah I hope it's kind of something bad because it's just I just didn't like these characters yeah and that was what I remembered about the movie I haven't seen it in years and so re-watching it today I remember the it's just a lot of awful people. Although rewatching it and being a little older now, you know, I feel bad for the kids because the youngest kid, Frank, is just really kind of lost um, and really affected by the divorce of his parents. And mm-hmm. you, you can tell what I think is great about this movie is like the opening minute, there's this tennis match. And it's, it sort of tells you all you need to know about the characters in this movie. Um, the Jeff Daniels is just a very pretentious, unfair, um, needs to be the center of attention, needs to 
to be the most important person in the room. Um, you know, that's his character. And Walt, played by Jesse Eisenberg, just worships his father. You know what I mean? And Frank, the youngest, just loves his mother, never really, doesn't really see eye to eye with his father that much. And, you know, that's why they're, they show you the teams that they play on in tennis. And that's kind of the teams going forward of, uh, you know, who loves who the most. But watching it again, I just, I felt sorry for the kids. I felt sorry for, you know, Frank's young enough to where he can kind of overcome wiping his stuff all over the school. But Walt, you know, he's in kind of his formative years and he, he worships this guy that's just a jackass who right. gives him horrible advice, gives him a horrible example. And he's he's kind of, for a while in this movie, thrown away a relationship with his mother because he's so so mad at her for ending the marriage. You know, he blames her. He doesn't blame his father at all. Yeah. You know, Baumbach must have had, like, one ass of a dad because he writes asshole dads so well. You'll, you'll see when you uh, watch the Meyerowitz stories. Maybe you can answer me this in, in Marriage Story. Is there like an asshole father figure anywhere about? No, I think marriage story, it depends on obviously your point of view. Marriage story is more, I think you can kind of see all the sides a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it plays it, you know, this is, you know, you say there's no one that's really good in this, in this movie. And, you know, Laura Linney cheats on her husband, um, cheats on Jeff Daniels throughout the last four or five years of the marriage. And so, you know, that's not cool, <laughs> but also hanging around with Jeff Daniels for this movie is only 75 minutes long, which is just crazy to me because it's so dense, it's so uncomfortable to watch, mm -hmm. but hanging out with him for that amount of time, I was like, yeah, I would, I would cheat on you. I would, I would totally not want to <laughs> like, I'd want to get out of there because that was, that was rough. No, I mean, I do want to add, you do feel really bad for the kids because they're just kids and they're um, mirroring their parents in a way um, who really don't have an excuse on, you know, why they're a bad person. Uh, I guess everyone has an excuse on why they turned out the way they turned out. But, you know, damn it, they're adults. Um, with the kids, it's funny to see Frank, the smallest one, not really adopt anything from his mom. I mean, maybe like a hyper sex drive, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, but, you know, he, he gets to the point where he's looking at himself in the mirror. You know, he, he's like, because of the divorce, like he doesn't even want to look like his dad. But his anger, he doesn't want to look like his mom either. You know, um, when... He's like, I have your cheekbones, right, mom? And she's like, no, you have your dad's bone structure. And he's like, well, you're ugly. <laughs> it's just, there's so much hate uh, in that, which I just found so interesting. And then it's the opposite with Walt. Yeah, what I, th what I think is interesting about the way the characters are kind of shown is the unlikability from the male characters, the two sons and the dad, is in just hearing them talk and the way they go about their daily life and 
just how they treat other people. Whereas the reason you don't like the, the mother is just because you find out what she's done. If, if, she, if, if the audience doesn't hear that she's cheated on him, I don't know that you're, you're probably just siding with her the whole time. And in the end, you know, not that it's a competition, but I, I can kind of see, I see why she strayed. She could have obviously handled it better. But even I think Walt sort of begins to understand that too. Um, just right. because, because Jeff Daniels only cares about himself in this movie. Um, he's, he, he's only out for, for recognition for himself. He doesn't like if his wife gets any recognition. He's only out to fill you know, his, his carnal needs. Um, and he just gives horrible advice to Walt all the time. So. Yeah, I want to talk more about how Walt mirrors his dad in a lot of ways too. Like, uh, there's a lot of, in Jeff Daniels' character, there's a lot of self-importance, uh, feeling self-important. And that is a horrible, horrible uh, trait, personality, uh, personality trait to have. And he passes that down to his son. Well, Walt just cares so much about what his father thinks of him you know he starts dating this girl who way out of his league but he doesn't seem to realize that and he asks his dad oh you know what do you what do you think of her you know initially he's like oh she's she's not pretty but she's cute you know like i'm wondering if i should be with a pretty girl and his dad's like oh you'll have time for pretty girls later and then later on you know after his dad meets her he's like well, what do you think is she pretty enough she's like and his dad's like yeah, she's pretty. Not for me, though. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go after her. Um, but you know, you should have sex with her first, at least before breaking her up. Try her out. You know, she's like just bad, bad advice. Bernard is a bad dad, and he kind of has all these regrets about his younger days. You know, you kind of understand throughout the story that he met um, his ex-wife when he was a lot younger. He was married twice before. Um, it was an old, that doesn't count. <laughs> Fine. He was married once before, you know, and throughout his stories, he's like, oh, you know, I had this chance to sleep with this really pretty girl. She was really sexy. And then his son is like, oh, why didn't you? And he's like, I was with your mother. And he's like, okay, okay. Um, yeah, he kind of, he, he kind of met her like right at his height when he could have been womanizing and he, he now regrets like why didn't you know i had all this social capital that i didn't spend i was just with one woman yeah and he's trying to pass this advice to his like how how old is jesse eisenberg in this movie like 17 16 i mean i don't even know that they even show him drive right so i mean he could be he's, 15 he was 22 23 i think he's trying to play like 15 to 17 probably yeah you're trying to you're trying to be like oh you know just have have as much sex with as much women as possible to this 15 year old kid which is a horrible thing to say as a parent especially when when the the kid is trying to confide in you about his girlfriend um but that goes on to so much more than just uh love advice it, it's he's like oh yeah this person my favorite part of the movies where he's trying to uh explain to frank which in turn gets kind of over on wall what a 
Philistine is. Right. And it's like this uneducated person who doesn't enjoy um, like dense, complicated books and films and stuff. And Walt does not want to become a Philistine because his dad obviously looks down on these kind of people who, who can't um, understand Frank Kafka and, you know, um, Hemingway. Yeah. And Fitzgerald and stuff like that. And then his son, his other son, Frank is like, yeah, I'm a Philistine. And then his dad's like, no, you're not, you know, you enjoyed this film and this book. He's like, no, I'm a Philistine. It's just, to kind of he knows that it gets to his dad well the other thing that i thought was great about that too is his uh walt wants to impress his dad so much and wants to be so much like his dad so he talks about books and movies like his dad similar to someone i know talks about things as if he's read them or watched them and and hasn't i really i really love when in the end i didn't i didn't name names but he, I love when his teacher's talking about uh, him at the end and uh, Bernard's like, well, he wrote, I, I saw his paper he wrote on The Great Gatsby. It was marvelous. It's his favorite book. And the teacher's like, well, it's very clear from what he wrote that he's never read that book. <laughs> you know, and then, right. and then he, tells, uh, he tells Sophie when he's trying to woo her about metamorphosis and Kafka. And then she reads it. And she's like, oh, what did you think about the end? And it's very clear that he never has read this. And, probably doesn't read all that much he just knows enough to be conversant and wants to exude you know the same way you know exude the same aura that his father has i think one of the ways that this is most um hammered in in the in the movie is you see him practicing the song on the guitar he he does like a little demo for his parents and and I'm listening to it, and I was like, yeah, that song is by Pink Floyd. And then he's like, yeah, well, I wrote it. And I was, like, so confused because no one called him out on it. And I was like, is this a secret biography of the guy who actually wrote the song for Pink Floyd? I, to the point where he does it, uh, he performs it, in his talent show (laughs) and he wins the talent show as like he just played and sang an original piece and it's hey you by pink floyd which is one of their like most famous songs and it's not like he's from like a small christian town where they don't believe in rock and roll he's from brooklyn to the point where i had to look up the name of the guy who wrote that song and I was like well is it a secret biography about him because no one call, no one brings attention to it and then they finally do they call him out on it he's like yeah he plagiarizes like a whole bunch of crap I'm like whoo I thought I was really missing the the point there I, I even I thought at one point like oh maybe Bombac has set this in some sort of world where that song doesn't exist and he's just kind of giving it to to Walt but yeah, he, he plagiarized it and they called him out on it. You thought this was the secret Roger Waters biography yeah. that, that was getting Big shown time. here? That took yeah. place in 86? Yeah. 
when the song was written in 79. I got you. Yeah, I like how uh, Lily, who's kind of the, uh, the student of Bernard and is staying at their apartment, kind of says, oh, you know, I want to talk to you after the talent show. Come by my room. And then kind of explains it to him, like, yeah, I've done what you just did. I've plagiarized before. Um, I really hope you don't get caught. And, and then in the end, um, you know, when he's, he's uh, meeting with the tennis coach played by Billy Baldwin, who's also now the love interest for his mom, he's like, I didn't, I didn't write that. Pink Floyd wrote that. And the guy, and he, he was at the concert too. He's like, I know my brother. I know. Um, <laughs> which also brings me to like, my favorite character of the whole movie was Billy Baldwin as Ivan, the tennis instructor. It's funny uh, because this, uh, this movie is such a small movie in terms of location and, and characters. And, you know, there's not like huge CGI explosions or anything. It's just a very like simple story that's, that's told incredibly well, but you have these, uh, you have these actors in it, like Jesse Eisenberg, Jeff Daniels, <clears throat> Billy Baldwin. And Laura Linney. Yeah, and even Anna Paquin shows up. Um, not in like a huge role, but I mean, it's freaking Anna Paquin. Which I mean, at this it's, point, she, she had been rogue twice. So, you know, she, <laughs> she, wasn't, she wasn't a nobody. Yeah, she was like, I think a couple of years away from True Blood, but... Yeah, it's just kind of such an interesting story being told with all these um, characters. And then, so I think before we talk about the ending, we have to talk about the fact that because of the the father's self-importance, he kind of passes that on to his kids, where it's like, you know, they're going through this really trying time. They're going through a, a divorce. And he's, you know, whether he admits it or not, is being affected by it greatly. Uh, his wife is being affected by it greatly. And then his kids are probably being affected by it the most. And he kind of chooses to ignore that. Like, it's his kids, he's perfection. So therefore, there's nothing wrong with his kids. And then there's like this PTA meeting. And it's like, yeah, so your youngest son is spreading his semen everywhere in the school and your oldest son is plagiarizing Pink Floyd and basically like stole a hundred bucks from the talent show. Yeah. And, and his response to that is, Oh, it's probably other kids are doing it too. And the principal's like, well, maybe highly <laughs> unlikely. And then, you know, he, yeah, like I said before the, the gas thing. Yeah, it's it's deflection after deflection after deflection for for him, for Bernard, um, to the point where he's like, oh, and I hated this too. He goes into like uh, Jesse Eisenberg's room, and he's like, yeah, so you know, your mom and I talked to your principal, and I think you um, you're gonna have to see a therapist. And Jesse Eisenberg is like, I'm I don't have to see a therapist. There's nothing wrong with me. You know, kind of adopting that same perfection and self-importance as his father and then his dad like doubles down on it he's like yeah you 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 don't have to see like there's nothing wrong with you you're perfectly normal uh you don't have to see one he's like okay cool then then i'm not gonna see one and his dad's like yeah but you're gonna you're gonna go see one you have <laughs> and to. Uh, you have to but i hated it because it wasn't like 
what you did was wrong, son, and you have to go and own up to that. No, it wasn't that. It was, yeah, there's nothing wrong with what you did, but they're making you do it. And that, I don't know, that sucked to me. I also like how uh, after he meets with the, uh, with one of his teachers, he goes to Walt and he's like, he probably doesn't even know that I've, you know, I'm a published author. And then when he tells him he has to uh, meet with the shrink, he's like, oh, he probably has like a BA or something. And then, you know, it cuts to the shrink. He's like, well, I have a master's. And he's like, but not a PhD, right? Uh, Walt asks, he's like, no, not a PhD. I have a master's. But what I, I really love about the scene with the shrink is that in about two and a half minutes, he breaks down Walt into like, confessing this lovely memory he has with his mother and I was like damn that shrink's good that was so quick yeah yeah well you know because um that scene kind of caught me off guard because so the shrink wanted to kind of open up the session with him admitting that he plagiarized Pink Floyd and while he admitted that kind of he was like yeah but I felt like I could have written it so really I'm just cutting out the middleman which is insane it's insane and then he's like okay well let's let's start with a happy memory and and so jesse eisenberg gets into this story with his mom uh going to like the museum and at first when it starts out i'm like is he plagiarizing from something <laughs> like this is this was way too easy to pull that story out of him well what i really liked about that scene too is he's like is that just shrink 101 you asking me for a happy memory and the guy's like yeah but can you just can you just do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so easy and then right after you know this session with the shrink he determines that he needs to break up with sophie because he's going to go after lily and then he goes into the bedroom uh you know into her room to to talk to her to try and make his move presumably and his father's in there and says something rather vulgar that you don't want to hear your father say to a 20 year old woman that you're trying to woo. Um, and then just runs off. Mm -hmm. uh, and jumps in a lake. <laughs> dunks his head, which his mother said was disgusting. Um, and then sort of leads to this climactic scene where Walt, you know, comes back and uh, comes in the house since, you know, once he sees Jesse, or sorry, Walt had come back and then Bernard's seeing that Walt came back he comes in the house and he's like, you know, all those things I did for you, you know, cooking, cleaning, showing more attentiveness towards the end, none of those mattered. And she's like, you didn't cook. And then he's like, well, if I had, you know, <laughs> would that have mattered? And it kind of leads to the scene where once again, uh, Bernard just kind of shows his selfishness. And he's like, it's my night with the kids. I'm taking them. And neither of them want to go. Um, which while watching that scene too, I thought, you know, early on he has a scene where he's at, um, He's with Laura Linney and he tells her, you know, you called my father. And she's like, I did. And he's like, yeah, he kind of, he kind of told me that maybe we still had a chance, but I told him, you know, I've done everything I can. And it's like in that moment, she was softening. And maybe if you had said, you know, listen, I'm sorry. And he's just like, nah, I had done all I could. And yeah. so in the ending, it's, it's way too late because he actually tries to do that. And she just laughs in his face. And then it leads to, Bernard having a heart attack because there's so many things that make him angry. The cat runs away. He's getting a ticket from his car. Um, Joan's boyfriend shows up and it's just all, this whole night has been too much for him and he has a, you know, 
a heart attack that he just says he was tired because he can't have heart attacks. Right, because it's that self-importance that he's better than a than a sickness that kills like a lot of people. Um, Bombat creates this like really sickening character in uh, Bernard, and to the point I feel like you feel bad for him. There's moments where you just feel bad for how out of touch this guy is with his family. Um, And then he like (laughs) sexually assaults this 20 year old roommate he has. And it's like, oh, I don't feel bad for the guy anymore. He's just through and through an an a-hole. Well, he's so pathetic. He, he's really pathetic. And that's, you know, that part where you, you feel bad for him. Um, and it, you know what I would even say if it, if it left, if it was left up to that, where he was pathetic in his own right, then I almost couldn't be mad at him because I would just feel sorry for him. But the way he demeans and it affects his kids and his wife that's the part where it's just really easy to to not feel bad for him and to really hate the guy. And, and it's to the point where he's even pathetic in the end because Walt is with him in the hospital after this heart attack. And that's a moment where people can kind of reevaluate what's important. And he still can't because Walt says, hey, I want to spend more time with my mom. You know, it's after this breakthrough he had with the therapist where he tells this happy memory about how his mom used to take him to all these events and specifically this museum where they had from the title this giant squid and this whale that were fighting and it was always too scary for him so he's in the hospital with his father and his father's like no I don't want you spending any extra time with your mom you know I have my nights and she has hers and so Walt just sort of leaves and you see him running and then he kind of makes it to the museum and then he goes up and it's just it's the ending is kind of is very beautiful in that he's just staring at this giant squid in the whale and he's finally not scared of it anymore like he was when a kid when his mom had to explain it to him it's kind of just this i just thought the symbolism of the symbolism of you know his growth a little bit one growing away from his father being able to get you know his father told him he wanted to stick around he's like no i want to do what i want to do and you know that's kind of be closer to mom and then he grows as you know one, wanting to get back to this moment where he loved his mother, and two, not being scared anymore of this thing that scared him so much as a kid. So the the way that all wrapped up with the with the story with the therapist to him actually going to the squid and the whale, I thought was really, really cool writing. It was really beautiful. There's moments in the film that don't really spell it out for you as the audience. Um, you kind of have to guess or figure it out as um, the movie goes on. One of the things that I didn't um, quite understand, um, or maybe I understood wrong, does Bernard ever become physical with his wife? Um, And the reason I ask that is because like right before they announced their separation, he she's writing in her book and he comes in and he's like did you take the advice that i gave you she's like some of it and then he's like well does so and so die in the end and she's like yep 
And he's like, well, you didn't take, take the advice that I gave you. And then the phone rings and she goes to pick it, pick it up. And in the most like aggressive way, he slams the phone back down and it cuts to the kids trying to sleep and their parent, parent, <clears throat> their parents are having this like full blown argument. And then later on the next evening, it looks like Laura Linney was like peeling a scab off of her lip. And I just wanted, I didn't know if that was subtle um, telling of, did he hit her? Does he hit her? And is that what led to the divorce? I, I didn't take away that he hit her. One thing that's great about this movie and what makes it different from Marriage Story is kind of, this is from the kid's point of view. Mm-hmm. So you, you have scenes with just the parents, but for the most part, this, is, this story is how it affects the kids, whereas Marriage Story is from the point of view of the adults and how they're affected by it and how you know, them having to deal with the fact that they have this child. Um, but in this case, you, you really, in, in that fight, you only hear the screaming because you're in the bedroom with Frank and you don't know exactly what's going on down there. Um, but I didn't take away that he was physical. I just took away that he's an asshole and impossible to live with. And so she had been done living with him for a long time and finally had the courage to say, I'm done for good and we're getting a divorce. Adios, amigos. Yeah. One thing I really love too is uh, is Frank. There wasn't a lot of development on Frank because I think this is the the main character of this story for me was Walt. Um, but I loved Frank telling uh, telling Ivan, his tennis coach, "I want to be a philistine too." And then the the subtle uh, the subtle use of my brother when he talks to people later on. He's like <laughs> when he's talking to Walt, and Walt says something to him. Yeah. He's like, "That's good, my brother. That's good." Um, yeah. That. That always cracked me up because you, like, you know, it just drove Bernard crazy that he's starting to sound like the dude that's sleeping with his ex-wife. Yeah, um, at the point where he didn't know that um, his tennis, his kid's tennis coach was sleeping with his ex-wife, and there's this like kind of um, uh, moment that they have where he's like, "Are you married?" and um, Billy Baldwin is like, no. <laughs> this is kind of this like dumb grin on his face, like, no nah, man. <laughs> no nah, man, um, I'm married. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, the the one thing and the reason I wanted you to watch this movie it was like the takeaway I had from this movie is Jeff Daniels is so amazing in this at playing a pretentious douchebag that you, if I met this person in real life, I would get as far away from as possible. Like I couldn't handle being around someone like this. And he's just so amazing at it. Like everything that comes out of his mouth just like rings so true as like, this is who this dude is. And this, and then also he did the lookout kind of around the same time. Like he is one of my favorite actors because he chooses like such great, character type parts where he gets to play different people and this is probably one of my favorite performances even though i hate him in this movie right no and you know i think part of what makes it so authentic and obviously the writing too but i feel like we all know a super pretentious asshole not not naming any names of course but i think we we all know you know this 
one pretentious person. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it's probably easy to kind of draw from that firsthand experience. So, Alon, now that you've seen it, what did you think of it overall? And would you watch it again? I really like, you know, like you were saying, it's a 75 to 80 minute movie, but it's a lot to take in in such a short period of time. And it's not really like an uplifting feel good movie. So it's definitely one of those movies that you have to be in the right mind frame to watch again. Yeah, I really love this movie. Um, it's, it's exactly 75 minutes before the credits roll, which is just so crazy. It's a low budget movie, so that makes sense. But this movie is so dense. It takes so much attention to watch it. You can't be doing anything else or you'll miss a lot of subtleties. And it's just so uncomfortable. There's so many moments that are just so mm -hmm. uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. Um, but having said that, I love it. Love the performances. And it's something I will watch again. Cool, cool, cool. So thanks for tuning in to another episode of I Finally Watched. And I finally watched The Squid and the Whale. My name is Alon. And I'm David. Bye.